You ever have a moment when you realize that you had a bad dream and you just remember what it was? All right, some of you maybe. I had one of those moments now that I had a horrible dream last night. I'm gonna tell you what it was. I dreamed last night that the moment I was coming up here that I did not do prepare a sermon and I had nothing. And I was terrified. I mean, I was literally like shaking. I woke up. I was like, oh, they're, not, they're not here. <laughs> that is a good thing. So I did prepare, just so you know, and I had to remind myself of that and just like calm down a little bit. But for whatever reason, that is one of those things that keeps coming in my mind is just a fear. Uh, and I know we all have different fears. But we're getting into Genesis again, chapter 4. And again, this uh, thing is beginning, betrayal, and blessing. Three Bs. Beginning betrayal, and blessing. I want to go back by point of reminder. Genesis 2.17 said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So man was able to take of everything. Man and woman was able to eat of every tree but one. Every tree but one. And they chose that they wanted to know and they wanted to define what truth is. We're going to unpack that a little more, that it is human nature, the sin nature in us, that we want to define truth, not subject ourselves to the creator of truth. In Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is important for this morning because I learned something this week. Uh, I knew this part already. I knew it was foreshadowing of Jesus and what he was gonna do, but I didn't realize how it played out in verse one of chapter four. So let's look at that right now. Now, Adam and Eve, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. They had relations, you know, anyway. Uh, And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Now, I want to stop there for a minute and say why, what I didn't know and what I learned from this. In the original text, this is Eve, who Adam named, and actually her name meant life giver, giver of life. That, that Eve made this claim, and what she thought was is that her son was going to be the one, was going to fulfill the promise of Genesis 3.15. So she was just excited, and I don't think she was in error. This is sort of like, you know, you get something wrong. I've gotten a lot of things wrong in my life. But she was sort of like just going, this is the one. This is the one that's going to change things. And remember, that's, her, that's the first time anyone was ever pregnant, and this is the first child in creation. Verse two says, and again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. Verse three, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain 
was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? I want you to notice something here. God already knew what was going on. And usually when people get to this, this, this part of the verse, they're wanting to know uh, a lot of different things. But the thing I really want to point out here is that I believe clearly that God had already stipulated what the offering was to be. God had already made it clear. And Cain decided to do an offshoot of it. It's sort of like truth for us, isn't it? God says what is truth, and we go, well, that doesn't sort of work for me right now. I'm just sort of going to do this, and I know it's not God's will, but it's okay. And so I'm going to do it, or I'm going to have it, was it uh, Sinatra? I'm going to have it my way. I try to get all the generations in here. So, um, you know, my way. Cain wanted to have it his way. He wanted to offer the Lord what he wanted to offer. And I'm, I, I just gotta believe that we are all so guilty of this. We come and we give of what we want to give, and the rest, in a sense, we become hoarders of truth. We just sort of hide and make it of ourselves. We create things and we create a fiction, even. So we also know that the ultimate sacrifice, so the first sacrifice in the Bible really was when God took when they realized that they were naked and God took an animal and they and you know sort of cut it up and created loincloths for them, clothes to wear. And so we also know that the in Genesis 3:15 is foreshadowing Jesus and the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So the Bible is continuous with this thing that points to the shedding of blood. And we got to see that. Cain did it his way, and I believe Abel did what was right in the sight of God. Abel's sacrifice involved blood and therefore testified to the death of the substitute, which was Jesus. He was coming to God as God had shown him how he must be approached. Now think about it. How many of y'all like, like, like if, imagine if you were, um, you were going to visit a king of another country. And everyone just got there and said, look, this is what you do. Let's just say Queen Elizabeth. It's better, an easier thing to go. You know, you've got to go and you've got to hang your head low and you've got to do a curtsy or whatever that is. I'm not really good at that stuff and I'm not going to try it in front of you. My knee will give out. But, you know, you've got to do all these things and you've got to approach her in a certain way and you've got to say a certain way. You know, a lot of times we don't like to be told what to do. Deep down. And so God was telling these folks how that he was to be approached, and he was foreshadowing to the one who would come who would take care of the problem. Verse 7. This is God speaking to Cain. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So God is coming to Cain and going, you're at a track, you're at this point right now. And, and many of us have been at this point, maybe some of us have crossed over a point where God is saying that you're at a pivotal stage in life. 
You're at a crossroads. And sin is crouching at your door and it's, and it's going to attack you and it's contrary to what you really want deep down in life. Now, I would say that probably most of us in this room have done this very thing and gone contrary to what God has said and you've heard the gentle voice of God and you've done it your own way and we could spend all day long here with testimonies of how that doesn't work, amen? Just doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And so Cain rejected God's counsel. He had a lack of humility. He had a lack of faith. And he had a lack of obedience. He refused to come with a sacrifice because he considered to do it the way God sang it or to confess his sin was demeaning to him. Who likes to own up when they're wrong? I don't think a soul in here. It's something you develop when you realize the truth works. You know, so a lot of times in marriages, the hardest thing for a spouse to do is go, yes, you are right, I have hurt you. It is far easier to develop a story and a side path to skirt the truth of that. Isn't that right? Married people, you better say amen or you're blind. You know, it's so hard to just own it. But when you start doing it and you build that trust, and so we, we have tried really hard, my wife and I, with our kids to start it at an early age with owning something instead of making excuses for it, right? And so as parents, we have to model that. And it is something that has been a travesty of justice since the beginning of time since creation started. So he was at this point. 1 John 3.12 says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Luke 23 says, but the other rebuked him. And this is Jesus when he's on the cross and the two thieves were there and they're going about who Jesus is. And you, right now you might just be going, who is Jesus? Why is he important? And he says, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? You today, if you don't realize it, apart from Christ, we were sentenced to condemnation to death because we were guilty. And, we, and he goes on to say, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong. The thing about Jesus Christ is that he did not sin. And that's almost impossible for us to believe in our human nature. It takes faith that someone could live this life and deal with people like me and not sin. So some of you have sinned because of my influence, because I pushed you, you know? And so, but Jesus did all things right. He lived a sinless life. He was the sinless lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. So what's the problem? If you see the picture here, this is an old early 1900s cartoon in the mid-1900s. It says, we have met the enemy and he is us. If you were left to your own devices, if you look at the scheme of history, you will realize that truly the enemy is within us. 
And it's not just that Satan is a roaring lion. He's seeking to devour you, yes. And he has others in his uh, realm that work out that stuff. And he, and he uses other people to do that. And sometimes Satan has his grasp on us like he did Peter. And we do whatever. But in the end, the problem is us. And if you're going to come to Jesus with a truth response, the response is this, is that I'm the problem. But what do we try to do? We try to justify ourselves, don't we? Well, I'm pretty good. I'm better than he, she, or them. I don't do these things. And so it's like there's a problem. And so when we look at the, and we're gonna look at it a little bit more in a bit, but we look at how Cain took his brother's life, the Bible's very clear that that emanated from within Cain that built from within him, and, and truthfully, you and I are capable of the same thing. I had another pivotal thing this week happen to me. I listen a lot to, or occasionally now, to Jordan Peterson, and some of you know who he is, and he talked about politics. And I was listening with bated ear. He said this, and I want you to stop. Don't make a hasty decision about what I'm going to say. Let it soak in. I don't care if you're what side of the spectrum you're on. He said this. The liberals and the conservatives need each other. Now, he wasn't talking about the far left or the far right, just so you know. The liberals and conservatives need each other because sometimes the conservative people are so wrapped tight, and I'm paraphrasing, and so rigid that there's no, there's no view of, of humans as being important and reaching out to them. And so it's sort of like, if the, the conservatives more, might be more likely to say, if you don't work, you don't what? You don't eat, right? And some of you just, yeah, right? And, it, and so on the other side of things, you know, you have someone that typically, frankly, uh, more on the liberal side, are much more into social justice. I'm not saying holy, and I'm not saying that that should be, but I'm saying, so he said that those two balance each other. So this week, I read something that rocked me, and I'm going to tilt my cards a little bit. So Cain killed Abel, right? So in our country, what generally do people say about someone who kills someone? Huh? They, they're a murderer, and they should what? They should, they should perish, right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Right, And I, I tend to roll that realm. I'm more black and white. I'm more sort of, you know, just it is or it isn't. And then I read James Montgomery Boyd's. And he referenced these two verses. Just listen for a bit. Genesis 9, 6. Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Okay, check for me. I'm not saying it for you, I'm just saying it for me. Check, I get that. Second one, Numbers 35, 16, but if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer, the murderer shall be put to death. Check, right? Then James Montgomery Boyd said this. God 
right? God didn't take his life. Matter of fact, Moses murdered an Egyptian. Did God take his life? David killed Uriah, right? That, yeah, thank you. Blank for a second. David killed Uriah. No one took his life. Saul, later to be renamed Paul, contributed to the stoning of Stephen. So what am I saying here? And this wasn't the whole like, meaning of the sermon, but this one rocked me. My boy said this. We have to be careful in how quick we are to judge the death of another human being. Because we might not know God's purpose for them. I was floored. It goes against my grain. And yet I have someone in my family who is fighting people from being persecuted, or not persecuted, who are being, who have been convicted and who are going to a death sentence and they're fighting for the life of them and they're very liberal. But I, I got to realize, I've got to be very careful how judgmental I am. Because on the same realm, I go, we should not kill an unborn child. Because they're made in God's image. I'm not saying that there, I am not saying that there cannot be a death penalty and the state does ordain that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying what, and I'm saying is there is a tension in this. That every one of us have to live in the tension of Scripture. It is not as clear as I think some of us have made it out to be. And we need, to, we need to trust God in that. And we've got to be very gentle when we are dogmatic towards things. Because just think about it. God let Cain live. So who am I to say that someone should die on a personal, individual level? That was for free. Hope you enjoyed it. Move on. Uh, so let's look at this. So uh, verse 8. So God had already confronted Cain. And Cain did not respond in humility. He responded in pride. And so he spoke to Abel. Yo, Abel, let's go out into the field. What do we call that? Premeditated murder. Cain followed a plan and he executed it. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and he killed them. him. Verse 9 then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, you know, it gets, you've seen someone, maybe you've experienced this, when you're so far away from God that your answers are ridiculous. You know, you just give the dumbest answers and they sound logical to you. You're just so far away. Oh, I'm just going to lie about it, and it's cool, and no one will ever think anything of it, right? But Cain is lying to God. So if I'm God, Cain's gone. I mean, death penalty, it's over. But Cain responds with, I think, an angry tone. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for him? 
deflecting, right? That happens with us. When people come at us, we deflect. We don't want to take ownership. We don't say we're wrong. We don't go, the, the problem is us. The problem is me. We look for other reasons because it's far easier. One of the, the clearest marks of sin is the innate desire to excuse ourselves and to complain if we are judged in any way. Don't judge me. Oh, no. I know you didn't. Don't judge me. It's the mark of Cain. Don't come at me. I'm not my brother's keeper. This person did this. That's why I did this. What Cain should have done when he heard God's work, words of judgment is to have fled to God rather than from him. She just walked out of the room, but I, I, some of you have been around a while know my story of Annalisa when she was little. I'd sometimes go up and go, you know, like a dad does sometimes, right? And like for a while, the other kids would flee. Annalisa would run to me and grab a hold of me. What do I do with that? Right? I was just, man, I, I love that, right? If Cain had have seen God and had a relationship with God, he'd have ran to him. And much like Jacob, when he wrestled with God, you're not going to win, but you're going to win because you are putting that relationship to the fullest test. Verse 10 says, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. This is the first time an individual was cursed. Remember, uh, the woman was, uh, would suffer through childbirth and the man would, from the sweat of his brow, but here he's saying very specifically, you are cursed because of what you've done. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Now, think of a kid. The kid takes the cookie out of the cookie jar and you nab them in the act. It's no question. And you come at them. You took that cookie, right? No. And they deny it. That was, that's perfect, right? You, you deny it. And it's, and it's sort of like this, this thing. No, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. You know, God, uh, no. Uh, you know what? Your, your, your parenting is a bit treacherous for my lifestyle. Can you imagine a kid saying that? Some of them say it in a bunch of different ways, right? Well, you're, this is, you're rubbing up against my flow, Right? You're, you're a totalitarian parent, an authoritarian parent. I have rights. 
Now, that didn't go over in my house. I don't know about you. If you remember the 80s living color, homie, don't play this. You know, that's just sort of what comes in my mind when those things get thrown out there. I just hit another generation there. Just, if you don't know what it is, look it up on YouTube. Um, but he's throwing up, he's just throwing this thing. He didn't repent. He just doesn't like the outcome. Much like us, when we get, maybe at work we get something that, because we did something wrong and we don't like what happened, we don't like the outcome, but maybe we're not truly repentant. Quickly, there's a story from, uh, it's called The Man Without a Country. And it is, uh, you can read here, The Man Without a Country is a short story by the American author Edward Everett Hale, the first published in the Atlantic during December 1863. It is a story of American Lieutenant Philip Nolan who renounces his country during a trial for treason and is consequently sentenced to spend the rest of his days at sea without so much as a word of news about the United States. So he was, in, he was involved with the, um, the Burr incident. It's like a, too much story, I don't have enough time. But he went before the judge and pretty much said, I don't want to hear any, I don't want to have anything to do with America. Nothing. The judge was so shocked by that, he answered and gave him his own sentence. He put him on a naval ship, put it out to sea, and, and out to sea, he was not allowed to hear any news about the United States, what was going good, what was going bad, anything. And he was still able to do his naval duties, but his soldiers or whatever you call seamen, people in the, in the group, they wouldn't let, tell him anything about history or what was going on, current news, no newspaper. He even saw an old flame and they were, at a, they, were, they were together on this ship and he was begging her for news and she wouldn't give it to him. She withdrew and spoke to him no longer. I think it's a lot like Cain. Cain had experienced some great had some great opportunities to go with truth as God spoke it, to live a life, and then he went and was separated out, and he did his own thing. Then the Lord said to him, not so, if anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, and the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. So he was protected, he was protected. Now let's look here, part two, St. Augustine, the city of God. If you haven't read the book, it would be a great book to read. In it, he says, human society can be divided into two cities depending on how man lives. The city of man, man lives according to themselves, which we see with what Cain is doing. The city of God, men live according to God's laws and design, which should be how we are living. Tonight, about 40-some of you are coming to an emotionally healthy spirituality course. And much of that is because you have been affected by the city of man. Maybe it has been you that you're dealing with the emotional pain of the, the damage that you have done. Or... Maybe it's the damage that has been put on you. And so this is pertinent to our lives right now. The city of God, how, should, how then should we live is how Francis Schaeffer said it. 
How should our life be? According to Augustine, the history of the human race is the history of two groups of people, each having a distinct origin, development, characteristic, and destiny. He wrote that there are two cities formed by two loaves, the earthly by the love of self, even to the contempt of God, the heavenly by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. Which city are you living in this morning? The city of man or the city of God? Verse 16 says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Enoch was born Erad, and Erad fathered Mahujiel, and Mahujiel fathered Methusiel. Well, I can't say that. And Methusiel fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives. Here you see where polygamy sort of kicks in. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Those both names are named after beauty. More about that in a minute. In a minute. It was all about looks. Ada bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Table Cain. He was the foregoer, forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, now this is poetry. Listen to this. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. Now, what did Cain do? He killed somebody, right? This guy's proud about it. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. He's pretty much saying that I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I am proud of taking life. I'm gonna do what's best in my own eyes. And, and there is instances here of a downfall of the city. Real quickly, there's four things. Downfall of the city and, and a downfall of the community. You just think about us. Loss of roots. Loss of roots. Closeness without community. We're up next to each other, but we're not. It's like being at a, a coffee shop right next to people and never talk to them. And that's my, that's my normal MO. I just sort of keep to myself. But it's closeness without community. It's a worship of beauty. Uh, he worshiped the wives. Their beauty, it was all about the outward, which is contrary in Timothy. It talks about the inner beauty. And do you not see the worship of beauty all over Instagram and Facebook and the news? You know, it's all about who looks the best. When a news person starts to get older and maybe some wrinkles form, what is she thinking about? I'm more mature and wise. They're gonna keep me. No, they're going to find some younger one to come. Same thing for guys. They're going to find someone younger. And last one but not least is pride. I'm going to eat of the tree. I'm going to define truth. I'm going to say to God, this is what I'm going to do. And we're surprised that we're cursed. Lastly, a foreshadowing of the new hope. 
for you Star Wars fans. Another generation. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, the people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This morning, you live in one of two cities, or you're wrestling to live in another city. Maybe you're in the city of your own making, where you make the rules, you define truth, and you're telling God in your arrogance, I'm right, you're wrong. And much like the guy who was a naval officer in that story, you might get your wish someday. Not many people like to really are enthusiastic about preaching about hell. It's the absence of God. Are you going to be like Cain to God and say, yeah, I don't have this figured out. I trust your son Jesus. When people begin to dwell in the city of God, they have vision, they have direction, they have hope. When Christians began to go from the city of God and begin to dwell in the desert, much like the Israelites, they lose hope, they lose direction, they lose vision. Where are you this morning? This In a moment, we're going to come up and take communion, and communion is a time for those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on our behalf and that he rose again on the third day and was resurrected. We're saying, thank you, Jesus. We're running to God and saying, I don't have it figured out, but you had it figured out. I want to live in truth. I want to live in the city of God. If you aren't there, that's fine. We're glad you're here. But communion is not for you right now. But maybe this could be your first day to take communion. Maybe you've pressed up against defining truth. You've tried to be the smartest person in the room. You, you think that you know, and you're realizing that I don't think I know as much as I do, and history has shown me that man left to his own devices are very deadly and very corrupt. God, I want to follow after your truth. I want to obey your life, your rules, your truth. That's offered to you this morning. It is a free, free gift that was very costly in the, son, in the death of Jesus Christ. There will be some folks up here that would be glad to pray with you and talk with you. Or if you know someone, go to them. And maybe today will be the first time you take communion and we just adore that. Could you please stand as the worship team comes up? Heavenly Father, as we come to communion and we come to, Lord, give of our offerings, Lord, as we come to confess where we've been following after our own city, Lord, would you do a great work? We said in the beginning, Holy Spirit, would you come? And again, we're saying, Holy Spirit, do not leave us this moment. Would you convict the heart? And would you encourage those who have been faithfully pursuing your truth? We ask it in Jesus' name.
Amen.